Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of the OPC Foundation podcast, the home of industrial interoperability. My name is Peter Seberg, and I'm your host. Today, I will talk to Andreas Hennecke from Peppel and Fuchs about Ethernet APL. Andreas will give us an introduction into process plants going digital. He will talk about robust communication and its implications for technicians. And he'll explain Ethernet APL and how it relates to OPC UA. Okay. Hello, Andreas. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thanks, Peter, for having me here in the show. You're welcome. Andreas, please introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a bit about your employer, Pebble and Fox, there, but also your personal involvement to date with OPC Technology and the OPC Foundation. Yeah, I'm Andreas Hennecke, and I'm a product marketing manager for digital communications infrastructure at Pebble and Fox. And this digital communications infrastructure is for the field of the process plant. Pepper and Fuchs is one of the major global vendors to process and factory industries, providing infrastructure and sensors. And I've been specialized in process industries for about 15 years now. The company is 75 years old. It is actually owner-operated until today, and it's specialized particularly for explosion hazardous industries. So we know about these challenges. We've been working with all the major operators of process plants today, and we provide specifically that equipment that provides the explosion protection that these people need. What that actually means also is, is that we have a very large dedicated group of standards experts that help us to develop and design products that conform to international standards and specifications. This means we're going from cradle to grave through the entire life cycle of our own products and making sure that they are available and always conforming to standards. Okay, looking forward to Yeah, I've been in charge in the past myself of the um, discrete manufacturing, but my colleagues sitting opposite of me being in charge of process, and I would pick up every now and then, you know, typical differences between process and discrete manufacturing. And I'm looking forward very much to learn from you today, if that is still, and I believe somewhere it is. So, Andreas, process plans are going digital. Can you please share with our listeners the challenges in doing so? Yeah, well, the back office environment has always been digital for the longest times. We're deploying ERP systems that communicate digitally. This has not reached the field of the process plant. The business and production environments out there is extremely tough and thus has very special needs. You're looking at plants that are running 24-7. You're looking at these plants with large outdoor environments and also, with 24-7 operations come the long service life of the equipment because you just can't interrupt a running chemical process at any moment or any given time. And then finally, there's the area of explosion hazardous areas where you really want to be safe. And this is something that we've seen with operators today, that everybody's working with a very high respect and follows extremely strict rules regarding safety. And there's always this very common sense of not disturbing or upsetting the process because they're talking about the beast inside the pipeline or the tank because we're dealing with large amounts of energy that needs to be controlled. 
So the losses that can come from this of upsetting a process, both in production, but particularly in the safety issues, are very, very serious. And the impact that we have seen is sometimes is what you also see through the media when something really bad happens, like a long time ago with the even on board a ship like the Exxon Mobile mm. that was many decades ago. And I think a lot of our listeners will remember that from the media way back then. That was in the late 80s. But there are also more modern examples of that. So any technology must be extremely robust and highly reliable. Very good. Yeah, I explicitly recall two of the specific elements like the 27-7 operations, but also the 30 or 40 years or can it be long service of the process plans in relation to, you know, maybe four or five years for, for discrete. So you say technology must be extremely robust. Can you give us some examples of about what robustness means with regards to communication? Well, this is pretty much has to do with everything in an outside environment. We're not talking about the clean manufacturing floors or warehouses. We're talking about temperature ranges that reach from minus 50 degrees when you're exploring oil and gas in Russia to extremely humid environments somewhere along the equator. And you might even have wildlife in these environments inside the plants that you can't really control well. So those are aspects that uh, come to mind. So what we want to see is, is, is that these tanks and pipes and distillation columns and the communications to the instruments there that are in these remote areas are well protected. And that's no matter of the cable length, it, the communication must be stable. And often we see requirements of 400 to 600 meters in cable lengths. So looking at the mechanical protection, so most of the equipment resides in junction boxes. This junction box then will have wiring that goes out to the actual instruments and you have cable distance of more than or around 100 meters there. And on the other hand, you want to access to this wiring and you want this wiring to be extremely easy, even when hazardous gases might be present. So there's different techniques of solving these. Say, for example, in many plants, you have to have a hot work permit that needs to be signed by the staff. So you have your approval of your superiors and somebody goes out and does a gas detection test to just ensure the safety of, of course, the people in the field, as well as the process and everybody else around. So a very specific, not so easy, hazardous environment. What does that, what does all of this mean for the technicians? Well, technicians that deal with it, like you said, with a plant that has a life cycle of 40 years, you're talking about two or three generations of technology that may be installed in the same plant. So technicians require that they can work very easily with the equipment and not have too much complexity in the field with regards to installation techniques. In the late 50s, we've switched from air pressure control to electronic sensors. And these are still predominant today. This is because it is so extremely simple and it works. The automation components and sensors communicate and receive power via a simple two-wire cable. It's really just two wires and the power from the instrument or the load current of the instrument actually communicates back to the system what the actual sensed value is. 
Technicians are used to working with these two wires with screw type and spring clamp terminals. And that's extremely robust. We're also looking at point-to-point -point wiring from the control room. So you're looking at long, long cable distances where each wire connects to exactly one instrument. So users today, when they're talking to an instrument, they're getting one value via an analog current that they can measure. That's it. Mm -hmm. There's no digital communication. There's no Ethernet, nothing. But Ethernet that we're launching with Ethernet APL is a version of an Ethernet that meets the demands of the simplicity for the field of the process plant. Yeah, it's amazing the way you put it. I mean, two generations of technology on, on one hand and living in an environment where you and I and all our listeners in the background on our mobile phones, you know, we have applications that, you know, give themselves an update sometimes five times a day, I guess. So that's what we are going to be talking about later as well. And so does this what you tell us? Does it mean that plant operators that they do not have some kind of a network infrastructure in the field of their plants? I mean, I would have thought, wouldn't that be a, some kind of main requirement for for harnessing the benefits of digital transformation and, and also for running technologies like uh, OPC UA? Yes, absolutely. It's a yes to both of your questions. This is exactly what we're missing in the field. Mm -hmm. Users deployed field bus systems, which is basically a bus system that communicates digitally. The infrastructure for this field bus is also similar to what I explained to you with the two-wire communication. And actually, one of my main fields and, and product lines, the field connects products of communications infrastructure. This bus is reliable as the analog 4 to 20 milliamp technology, but for many reasons, only about 10 or 20% of our users have actually adopted this technology today. So we're having some degree of digital communication, but it certainly isn't networked yet. In the last 15 years, we saw some development in the direction of wireless. That's critical too in the field of a process plant because you need power and nobody wants to run around changing batteries all the time. So that's why wireless has really not been adopted either. The APL project, on the other hand, has now set up to combine technologies here in such a way that we can provide an Ethernet, the, a flat networked infrastructure that will work in this challenging environment of the process plans. And this is what we call the advanced physical layer for Ethernet. Good. So that's how we have arrived at our main topic for today. You mentioned advanced physical layer for Ethernet. New for me, maybe new for one or the other listener or short Ethernet APL. So Andreas, please tell us in more detail, what is Ethernet APL? Yeah, it took us a while to get here because I think it's also important for our listeners to understand why process industries are so conservative mm -hmm. in adopting new technologies because they just need this reliability. They need to balance many requirements and risks for humans, the environments, and obviously for their businesses too. Well, Ethernet APL really is a combination of two technologies that operators and process industries already know very well. Ethernet that we know from our office environments and mm -hmm. that we're even using to record this podcast here today. Yeah. And on the other hand, the two-wire technology that 
we discussed a little bit earlier. And Ethernet APL is the standardization of those two things. And the, the physical layer is really the, if you will, in the communications infrastructure is the physical, the lowest layer, if you will, where we're specifying electrical signals, the wiring, the connectors, the power supply, and all of these attributes have been designed and specified and released in public standards that they will fit the application in the field of a process plant. And it is specialized for it also. So Ethernet APL enables 1,000 meters in cable length. It is designed and specified in such a way that it allows any type of topology to meet the demands of process plants to be adopted to the layout. And it specifies point-to-point -point connections for a very high degree of robustness. It's built with hazardous area protection and one protection method in particular that is called intrinsic safety. And intrinsic safety specifies a very low level of power on that two-wire. And what that means is, is that if you unintentionally open an intrinsically safe circuit is that you cannot generate heat from an electric spark. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's called intrinsic safety, because of this low energy level that protects the plant from any types of hazards there. Thanks for giving that first introduction. Could you maybe also share with us some, some history and, and maybe tell us where we're standing today? Well, Peppel and Fuchs, as a specialist in these types of infrastructure, remote I.O., the intrinsically safe barriers and field bus systems, has been going to the drawing board already in 2009 and thinking, what can we do different that will improve from the FIAPAS technologies with a market share of only about 20% and bring that to a network? So that's when really the first ideas were bounced around to get to designs that will bring Ethernet to this field. And 2015 was a big breakthrough for multiple organizations because we weren't the only ones looking at this. So there were solutions presented that showed an Ethernet in the field. And then maybe I need to explain why this is so difficult. Is If you're producing a signal to transmit 10 megabits or 100 megabits per second, the higher you go in speed, the more signal strength you need to basically push this electrical signal through a wire. So there is a balance between cable length and communication speed. And that's how we arrived in 2015 at a working model that can do 10 megabits over a 1,000 meter line. If you're looking at other solutions, Ethernet today at 100 or gigabit Ethernet can only do 100 meters. So we're getting into the area where the 1,000 meters are possible. In 2018, then, 12 suppliers and four user organizations signed contracts to commonly develop this technology to one joint standardized technology and complete this development. And this development entails much more than just defining the physical layer, but it entails two very important things for our users, which is, on the one hand, an engineering guideline that details how to actually deploy the technology and be successful with it right from the start. And then 
to ensure the reliability that this definition of standards also included compatibility checking and conformance testing. So all products that are conforming to these standards are also tested for conformance. And this conformance testing is also part of this development project. And here in summer 2021, we were ready to go and we released these standards in one big celebration at Akima Pulse. Yeah, for those that are not aware, listeners that are maybe not directly or new to the process industry, Akima Pulse is one of the largest gatherings of process industry professionals, right? Yes, absolutely. Akima is one of the events where the professionals from process industries of all sorts meet and exchange ideas about all types of topics. From a safety perspective, you see exhibits about how to do fire protection, gas detection, but also there's a large gathering of automation professionals there as well. Right. So tell us what it is exactly that you announced or what you showed at Achima Pulse. Well, we released the standardization and all the documentation that goes with it. So you're looking at standards that are now chapters of the IEEE standard, which is the standard that defines Ethernet as a whole. Mm -hmm. And then actually a package of standards that are now part of the IEC standards that define all the other aspects that I mentioned earlier, such as cables and connectors and the power supply. And we arrived at this and announced it so that we can actually have an entire market adopt one common technology. Because the members of the APL project realized, and that's another important lesson learned from previous technology developments, is that only based on standards can you achieve a marketplace and a widespread global adoption of a technology. And this is where the OPC Foundation actually got involved because suddenly there is a solution that has the potential of changing the field technology that is used for instrumentation, namely the analog 4 to 20 milliamp technology, and replace it with a flat network infrastructure that even enables concurrent access to the instrumentation. It's much easier than field bus, where you were also confined to certain restrictions with gateways, etc. And with Ethernet APL, we can have multiple connections concurrently to an instrument. So an instrument could even provide a web server. And that's where OPC Foundation got involved in 2019. One of the reasons why we're probably just at this time getting to a point to deploy Ethernet in the field is because of the improvements in computing power and speed. This helped a lot along the way. Now users and even vendors can get an insight into the performance of their assets because of Ethernet in the field. Okay, so from your perspective, what do professional users in process automation get out of Ethernet APL? Well, now that the technology removes the bottleneck of bandwidth, the parallel access gives us access to all the data of the instrument. And instruments in the field have become quite sophisticated. So they provide details such as diagnostics. Some of these instruments have configuration settings of 
100 or 600 different variables that can be set in configuration to optimize the instrument for the use in that pipe, say, for example, a flow meter or something. And then the instrument can do a lot of calculations already and uh, alarm value detection. So we're looking not just as the process variable, but diagnostics, configuration, and alarms. And all of this information is available in parallel. You can see that we can fill a large data lake with the information that used to be stranded in the instrument. And also, the instrument comes equipped with its own manual. And one of the things that we take for granted in today's environment is, say, for example, you connect your camera to your laptop, then you expect that to work immediately. And the laptop to download the driver for the camera or the microphone and all of that to work automatically. That's not the case in process plants, which are often operated in islands. But the instrument itself can provide its own drivers and that can be uploaded from the instrument. All the certification can be stored that operators need for documentation inside the instrument and the manual I mentioned. So the data that is being used from the instrument is available from the instrument immediately for upload. So there is a lot of simplicity to be derived from having this information directly accessible from the instrument itself. So you install the switch, you connect the instrument, and voila, everything communicates right away. Sounds great. You told us earlier about the long service life that uh, instruments and, and infrastructure provide. Does this mean that the technology is only working for new installations or can, can Brownfield also profit from Ethernet APL? Well, those users that deployed Fearbus today probably have the best way of deploying Ethernet APL in their Brownfield plants. And that's the first time in history that actually a technology, a new technology has not rendered the old equipment worthless. Mm -hmm. Because Ethernet APL is designed to utilize the Fieldbus Type A cable, which is well known in this industry, particularly by the Fieldbus users. So in many cases, the stable can stay in place. Unfortunately, I can't give a free pass to our listeners to just utilize any type of cable that is a two-wire cable in the plant. Mm -hmm. So it is required that we check the cables that are installed there because many of the very old two-wire cables do not have any shielding. And the frequency range that Ethernet APL utilizes is also higher, obviously, because it transmits more data which is why we have provided the engineering guideline to provide installation, grounding, and shielding rules to our users. But most importantly, the checking of the installed cable is one of the steps that we need to make mandatory in Brownfield's plans and that we highly recommend to users. It is a skill that people in the field are not accustomed to. They are just accustomed to installing the cable and connecting it but they can learn it very easily from their colleagues in the office environment because there it is much more commonplace to check out the Ethernet cable connection before putting it into service. So users can then leverage the field bus installations today by basically just replacing the junction boxes that are already in the field and putting Ethernet APL switches into it. 
And for this particular purpose, actually, Peppel and Fuchs has gone one step further by developing a dual function port. And what's real interesting, each of these ports will detect an APL physical layer, but it will also detect a physical layer that uses FIAPAS before and then can adapt the communication to that. So in this case, for example, when you're using Profibus PA and you're migrating to Profinet, it is really easy to keep the actual existing instrumentation in place. So like I said, this is the first time that two generations of communication technology can actually coexist, and in this case, even coexist on the same wire. This is just one example how solutions can utilize the seamless and concurrent communication because we're just basically using Ethernet APL to tunnel the information from the Profibus PA instruments. At the same time, other servers can provide access to the instruments via OPC technologies. So we see a true convergence of data starting at the edge and in the field of a process plant. That sounds really interesting. And, and as you say, structurally new as something that we haven't seen in the past. We're getting to the end. Is there any activity, any development you've experienced lately? Any final thought maybe that you would like to share with our listeners? Well, Ethernet APL opens so many possibilities for data management. Imagine how applications and systems can now synchronize data between instrumentation and a central database. So solutions based on OPC technologies can help users keep all that data up to date. They can automate their working procedures for plant commissioning, for startup operations, and even simplify the instrument exchange. We just had a two-day virtual workshop beginning of October on Ethernet APL, and it went across all time zones, and the response and turnout was really great. We had literally hundreds of listeners and very good questions and a dialogue. So we're seeing that Ethernet APL is generating an interest in the market because of its simplicity. And I think our users in process industries are starting to understand this. So I encourage your listeners to get in touch with the vendors that helped standardize Ethernet APL. Request a demo from them, or maybe examine Ethernet APL in your own testbed or pilot plant. Now is really the time to engage with this new and exciting technology that has an evolutionary aspect and definitely a revolutionary capability. Andreas, thanks a lot for sharing your detailed knowledge and personal perspective on Ethernet APL and how it facilitates OPC way in process industry. I understand if you, dear listener, want to learn more about Ethernet APL, you can visit ethernet-apl.org. If you want to learn more about OPC UA technology or about the OPC Foundation, you may want to listen to the preceding OPC Foundation podcast editions or visit the website at opcfoundation.org. If you have a proposal for topics, maybe you're interested in appearing on the OPC Foundation podcast, or maybe you want to join one of the OPC UA companion specification working groups or become a member of the OPC Foundation or otherwise, please mail the OPC Foundation at office at opcfoundation.org. We'll put both the website URL and the mail address and also the URL of the Ethernet 
APL that I just mentioned in the podcast notes. Yeah, in future editions, I will be doing interviews with guests from Ascentix, Backhoff, and others on such topics as designing machines supporting companion specifications and further use cases. We'll finish the year with an interview with Stefan Hoppe, the president of the OPC Foundation, who will give us a 2021 review and outlook for 2022. It was great to have you with us today. If you like what you heard, give us a thumbs up, spread the news, and looking forward to have you with us again. And Andreas, thank you very much for having been my guest today. Thank you, Peter.